one of the hardest things to do is a, <clears throat> that I find uh, is to keep your emotions in check. And I tend to be uh, emotional. And so I fight not just standing up here and crying. And I know that may sound funny, but <clears throat> the gospel <clears throat> is so wonderful. It's so powerful. It's so uh, redeeming and, and uh, refreshing that <clears throat> it's... it's uh, it's easy to get emotional when you're dealing with such a wonderful truth as the gospel. We find here in the book of Acts, in chapter 8 is where we are. Remember that uh, Luke is writing uh, to show that God has a definite plan. We saw that in, Roman, in, Romans, in Acts 1.8 uh, that Jesus said, Go you therefore... And to remember Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and then under the uttermost parts of the world to carry this, this gospel. And so here in 8.1, which is interesting, you have 1.8, and now you have 8.1, this, this is being carried out uh, in his plans uh, and how it happened, how God worked and moved and, uh, and that the gospel would eventually spread through the whole world, which we'll see later on with Paul and his ministry. Uh, imagine, wow, the Samaritans can believe the gospel without becoming Jewish. And uh, we can become believers today without becoming Jewish. And uh, the marvelous grace, marvelous gospel. And we see three things this morning, uh, three points of this outline. We see, first of all, the suffering church. And I want to read just the first three verses. I'll be reading each section as we come to it, just uh, as a different uh, flavor. It says here in 8.1, At that time a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the region of Judea and Samaria except the apostles, and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. And uh, it's interesting here, several things we want to see. The, the, the region of Samaria uh, is where... It says, Philip went down, which is interesting because uh, geographically, he would have been going up. But what he's talking about here is that he is going down in elevation, okay? So don't let somebody say, oh, you see, you have a, you have a, uh, a place in Scripture where it's not true. No, he went down in elevation, uh, because Jerusalem was south of, south of uh, uh, Samaria. Anyway, it seems uh, with Stephen's murder, the Sanhedrin now has uh, little tolerance for the Christians. Uh, in our vernacular, all hell broke loose. And I don't mean that in the uh, sense of uh, cursing or anything, but the hell in their hearts that Satan was fanning. Uh, and I th 
think Saul was the ringleader of all of this that was going on. We find that there's two types of suffering. There's inward suffering uh, from Stephen's death. Did you notice here in verse 2 it said there was great lamentation. Believers who realized the loss that had taken place. This man, Stephen, was so godly that uh, they had had a tremendous loss with the loss of this man. Uh, and it was also risky for them to identify with Stephen. They were taking their life in their own hands to go bury this man, and it was only by God's grace and providence that they weren't also put to death when, when they did this. So God was protecting uh, I also remember that it's okay to grieve. Uh, Jesus wept. You know, I think at funerals, uh, people say, well, what should I say? A lot of times you don't need to say anything. Just weep with those that weep. And uh, that's where it is. People want to be comforted. And to see you grieving with them uh, I think speaks a great deal. And don't say things trite like, uh, you know you miss her, uh, but she doesn't miss you. Uh, you're better, uh, they're better off with Christ rather than, rather than with you. And all of these trite things we say, and we go, you know, that probably wasn't appropriate. So just weep with them. Hug their necks. Tell them you love them. Tell them Christ loves them. That sort of thing. And anyway, we'll see more of that uh, later on at the end. But Romans 12, 15. And this is so important. Rejoice with those that rejoice. If something good happens to a brother, praise God, you know. Thank you, Lord, for blessing. But also mourn with those who mourn. I remember I did a funeral for a lady I didn't even know. And I was weeping because the family was weeping. Now you say, why did you do that? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't plan it, but there it was because I was lamenting over their loss. Same thing that happened with my daughter when she lost her first child, Eliana, who lived to be five hours old. I wept for five hours. But I was not weeping for the child because the child I knew was in heaven. I was weeping for my daughter, you see. And uh, that's so important not to be trite. Also, the church suffered from Saul's brutality. This was the outward suffering that was going on. We don't have much of that yet in this country. But uh, Saul was in charge of Stephen's stoning. And we see that because the garments of those who were stoning were laid at his feet. We talked about that last week. Notice he was consenting. This means he is approve, approving what was happening with delight. Can you imagine that? With delight. Uh, he was rejoicing because uh, Stephen was being killed. It's hard to understand a heart like that. Uh, we also see that uh, he is the leader of the persecution of the church uh, to follow. It says that he was making havoc of the church. He was even dragging men and women out of their homes. Saul was an immoral, insensitive, brutal murderer. 
And that's probably about the best thing you could say about him. I mean, this man, this man was wicked to the core. You know, if God hadn't changed him, he could have destroyed the church, if you will. I mean, he was out for blood, if you will. He was that committed to what was going on. We'll see more of Paul. Uh, well, how do I know this? Well, where do you go? To the scripture. And so what is uh, Acts 22? This is looking ahead, but I think it's important to understand who this man was. I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of the way, the followers of Christ, to their death arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison as a high priest and all the uh, council can themselves testify. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. This guy was all out. I mean, he really believed in what he was doing. It took a Damascus Road experience. <clears throat> Acts 26 I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth, and that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison, and, they, and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. He was a murderer. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished and tried to force them to blaspheme. I was obsessed with persecuting them. And I even hunted them down in foreign cities. Nice guy. You know? Nice guy. Galatians 1.13 that we went through, Galatians. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism. Uh, intensely, I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I think if he hadn't been converted, he would have. And so God is gracious. If we can learn anything, it's the great grace of our wonderful Lord and Savior. And I can say that was almost breaking up because he had, he had great grace in my life. And uh, he had great grace in your life. If you're a believer today, give him the praise. Give him the glory. And uh, don't be half-hearted. Uh, would you have been merciful on Paul? If you were God, I've had people tell me, boy, if I was God, I'd save everybody. And I said, no, if you were God, you wouldn't save anybody except yourself. You know, I mean, that's, that, you know, people struggle with a lot of the things in Scripture. But anyway, if he can be uh, saved, that is, if Paul can be saved, so can you. And so can anybody. So never give up praying for people. Uh, he was the chief of sinners. I am the chief of sinners too. And God has mercy on chief of sinners. We see secondly, the second point, the church scattering in verse 4. Uh, uh, let's read that now in verse 4 of chapter 8. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Wow. We see uh, two things. The extent of the scattering. It says it was everywhere. I mean, it was like 
uh, a grenade going off, and they're just, you know, everybody went out. It was, uh, uh, God used that to scatter the people, and it worked. And uh, we see the apostles, notice the apostles, though, did not leave. The apostles did not leave. And they were probably directed, oh, it's not told, they were probably uh, directed to stay by God, uh, certainly. And, uh, but God protected them because Paul, if he had gotten them, it would have been over. I mean, Paul was not going to relent. But God protected them as they stayed because I believe they stayed by, by God's telling them to do that. And so again, we see another miracle right here. Also, secondly, the effect of the scattering. Uh, they went everywhere preaching the word. They were witnessing as they went. The word here is euangelion in the Greek. Uh, they didn't go as preachers, but spreading to the people what they personally, personally knew about Christ, sort of a one-on-one as it came to people. Uh, in other words, why did they do this? Why did they do this? They were excited about Jesus. They were excited about Christ. Their hearts were filled with the love of Christ. They had to tell somebody. Is that true about you? Do you have to tell somebody what Jesus has done for you? You know, what you talk about is what you are excited about. Right? What you talk about is what excites you. Think about that in your own life. I'm not pointing any fingers or... But Luke 6.45, a good man brings good things out of the good stored in his heart. An evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Are you full of the world? Your, your, Your voice will tell you what you talk about. Is your life football? Not that I'm against football. I enjoy it, and I, you know, I'm a big fan and love to watch it. I, but is that all we talk about? You got a problem if it is. I'm telling you, you need to check up if that's your, if that's your uh, idol. You know, I call it as we go out witnessing, gospel gossiping. It's okay to gossip about the gospel. That's the best gossip you can have. Wow, to be able to gossip about the gospel. You know, but we're, we're good about gossiping about other people, what's going on. Why don't we tell people about Christ with that same enthusiasm? Well, because our heart needs to be changed. You know, Paul, <clears throat> in stomp, stomping out the fires, <clears throat> starts more fires. The devil doesn't seem to learn that the persecuted church spreads like fire. The persecuted church spreads like fire. And I've said this before, but you want to start a revival in this country? Bring on persecution and it'll explode. We wouldn't have room in here if persecution started. Because there is no atheist in the foxhole. And God uses that sort of thing 
to bring revivals. So let's pray for revival. Thirdly, the third point, the church spreading. This is verses 5 through 8. Let's read that together. Acts 8, beginning in verse 5. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heed the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits crying with a loud voice came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. And there was great joy in the city. I bet there was. I mean, you can imagine having a a crippled child and being healed to where it was leaping and running around. That would be cause for joy. But not only that, there were people getting saved. There were people accepting Christ. Remember, Christ had gone to Samaria and planted the seed. And uh, now Philip was reaping. Uh, So right here, he goes to Samaria, which, of course, eventually led to churches being planted there. First of all, let's see Philip the man. This is not Philip the apostle, but Philip the deacon. Deacon is important and can be greatly used by God. Uh, Philip, like Stephen, and really the apostles too, although he was not an apostle, was given great graces and position and gifts, greatly used by God. Uh, Apostolic gifts, if you will, being able to cast out the spirits, healing people. He was really acting like an apostle in, in a lot of ways. Matter of fact, later on he, in the book of Acts, he's called Philip the Evangelist. And, uh, you know, missionaries are, in a real sense, evangelists. Philip was proclaiming the gospel. But it's really interesting because here you have a different Greek word for that. It's uh, Caruso. Sounds like Robinson Caruso. Caruso, he was heralding the gospel. Uh, He was proclaiming the gospel. And uh, we see, secondly, and I'll, I'll speak to more to that at the end, but Philip, the missionary, secondly, you know, you can't really fathom the prejudice that existed between the Jews and the, the Samaritans, if you, unless you'd been in that day. Uh, real hatred, real prejudice. So Philip was not going into a situation where everybody was going to love him. Uh, at all until of course their hearts were changed so this was a very courageous amazing Philip that went now, you know the Jews would uh, not talk to Samaritans uh, they considered them worse than Gentiles they were half breeds heretics uh, the uh, Samaritans hated the temple in Jerusalem and so they built their own which was Mount Gerizim at Mount Gerizim uh, They only accepted the Pentateuch, the books of Moses, and yet we find Jesus doing what? Going there, not only talking to a Samaritan, but a Samaritan woman. Wow. Read that. That's really an interesting uh, story uh, of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. Uh, 
So this wasn't an easy task, and it says that he preached Christ while he was reaping what had been sown by Jesus. Because I believe the Samaritan woman has changed. I believe she went back and was telling everybody about this man uh, that she had met. Anyway, six applications uh, or observations. Uh, and I've really touched on these already. I just want to go a little deeper into them uh, to maybe help us to apply this to our life. Because, you know, you can hear God's word. You can, you can know it from cover to cover. But it, if it doesn't come in here, and I don't mean the physical heart, but I'm talking the mind, the emotions, and the will. If you're not changed, moved by it, then it's just uh, sounding brass and tinkling cymbal. You're, you're just, uh, you don't have love, you don't have anything. And so the gospel changes. The gospel changes. You say, oh, but I have this thing and I just can't get rid of it. Oh, you're greater than God, huh? No, God can change it. He did that in my life in a powerful way. Better felt than tell. And he can do it for you. Yeah, I hear you, but, you know, your problem wasn't like mine. But mine was really bad. Yours wasn't so bad. No, mine was really bad. It was a humbling. And, a, and, a, and God, when he works in you, uh, it's powerful. It's powerful. So anyway, first of all, it's okay to grieve as a Christian. Uh, someone said we can be prepared for death, but we're not prepared for grief. And I saw that in my dad. I'd go over there and look in the window in the morning, and, and he'd be sitting on the couch crying months after mother had passed, just crying. And I wouldn't go in. I, I knew he was grieving and, and uh, what have you, and sometimes I would, but... Why do, Chris, why do we think as Christians it's not okay to grieve? Why? Well, doesn't the Bible say we're to rejoice always? To be sad is to be selfish. Uh, they're in a better place. Uh, just be happy they're gone because they're with you. You know, all of this. No. Jesus wept. Jesus felt grief. It's okay to grieve, to cry, to weep, uh, to feel the loss. Uh, Jesus wept at the death of Lazarus. In John chapter 11, read that. That's a fascinating story there. But Jesus wept because he saw their, their hurting. He saw the consequences of sin and what it had done. There was a lot going on in Christ when he wept. But as you weep, remember 1 Thessalonians 4.13. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who slept in death, who sleep in, in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. It's okay to grieve, but grieve, but also realizing that we have the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior. But please grieve, okay? Grieve. You may, something may have happened in your life years ago and you still haven't grieved over it. And you need to grieve about it because it'll be a release. <clears throat> Secondly, <clears throat> there's no one so wicked God can't save. And I've touched on that, but 
Saul was an example of that. Hebrews 7.25, Therefore he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. At school, a preacher preached on this years ago, and he said, God will save to the uttermost. He said, God will save to the guttermost. Those in the gutter, God will save. He'll save anybody, even the worst of worst. You're not too big a sinner. You're not too big a nut, a nut to crack. God can even change you because he changed me. Thirdly, the Lord is always delivering his people. The Lord is always delivering his people. You say, well, what about Stephen? We talked about that last week. Well, he did. What did, what did Stephen get to do? He saw Jesus. I would say that's deliverance. Uh, and uh, So we can call on him for grace to go through it. Or we can call on him to rescue us in it. But either way, uh, we uh, are to keep our eyes on him. He always delivers his people. Trust him. Trust him. We might even ask, why haven't you rescued me? Why don't you deliver me the way that I think you should? We talked about that last week as well, but all of this, you know, it, it, it blends together. It's, it's part of a whole. Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his, his uh, paths beyond finding out. Wow. Also, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation <clears throat> has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted above what you can bear. But when you're tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Yes, God delivers. Fourthly, <clears throat> we see the devil as God's pawn on the chessboard. God is, uh, the devil is God's pawn. God always brings good out of evil. The devil is behind all evil, but Christ sits enthroned in heaven. Christ doesn't say, oops, boy, that got by me. Uh, whew, I wish I'd have been paying more attention to that. I missed that one. No, that's not our Lord. He doesn't say, boy, that caught me by surprise. Uh, no. Someone said a good chef is not one who has all the ingredients, but the one who makes something good, mixing them together. That's our God. Like I've said before, he is, uh, you're a cake. Okay? You're better than a cake, but let's just use it. And God yeah, and a cake is delicious when it's made. But, <laughs> but God has, boy, some of those ingredients are sweet and you just love them, you know. You can almost eat them. But there are other things that are bitter. Baking powder, I mean, nobody just eats baking. And so you have the sweet and the bitter, but God mixes, mixes all that together in what? 
Has he produced a cake yet? No. What does the cake have to go through to be a cake? Or the ingredients have to go through? The oven. The heat turned up. And then what comes out? A beautiful cake. See, that's what he's doing to you. That Janine sang a song about that. Little by little. You know, he's working on us little by little. He's making us more and more like him if we would just see that. God doesn't approve of evil, but uses evil to accomplish his, to accomplish his purpose. Of course, we saw that with Joseph and other men of the Bible. We won't go back into that. But persecutions always leads, it seems like, to more getting saved, to God working in a great way. When, when Satan turns up the heat, uh, grace is just poured out. So, you want revival? Fifthly, from verse 4, it says they were scattered. Someone said there would be more of Christ in our words if there was more of Christ in our hearts. Wow. Think of that. Oh, skipped one. Colossians 3.16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. See, that's what he wants. He wants gratitude. He wants you to be stirred by the gospel to where it's just a fire that is built up and and to where it just explodes and is scattered to all of those that come in its hearing. And so let the message of Christ, not the message of your particular doctrine, oh, that you're so dishugged, and I just love that. Oh, just, that's not Christ. Let Christ richly dwell. Can you say that about yourself? That he dwells richly in your heart. There would be more of Christ in our words if there were more of Christ in our hearts. Does it just flow out? Or is it artificial? Are you a Christian when you come to the church? And something else when you leave? You know, robots have no hearts. You're not a robot. You're not just wound up and you're... No, you have a heart. And God is changing your heart. You want to. Does it thrill you like it did these early Christians? Well, they just were scattered and just spread the gospel. Why? Because they were excited about it. How much time do you spend watching TV? Who? Did I step on somebody's toes? Yeah, stepped on mine. You know. How much time? What motivates you? Uh, what inspires you? What do you talk about? And I touched on that earlier, but what inspired them? They loved Jesus. They loved Jesus. Let the word of Christ dwell among you richly. 
Then lastly, no second to last, the chief work of the missionary is to preach Christ. Someone who opens a soup kitchen in a poor country is not a missionary. That's a good thing to do. But you don't send somebody to a foreign country where they start a soup kitchen. Oh, they're a missionary. That's not a missionary. A missionary is one who spreads the gospel, who preaches the gospel, speaks with authority, who is a herald, a herald of the king. Someone said it is not speaking of one who is campaigning for one who would be king, but spreading the the good news on behalf of the one who is king already. And that's what we're doing. Our wonderful Lord, we are proclaiming him. They preach Christ. And then we see also, and I want to really stress this as I close, uh, I want to see how, and I want you to see how gracious God really is. How gracious is God? Very, 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 very gracious. You know, he could have saved just the Jews. But he didn't. We'll see in the days ahead. He saved the Gentiles. Wretched people like us. He didn't have to do that. Matter of fact, what does Revelation 5, 9 say? And they sang a new song saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased for God persons from what? Every tribe and language and people and nation. That's a gracious God. That is a gracious, gracious, and we're part of that great grace if you're a believer in Christ. Let me ask you, have you trusted him? Are you... uh, Repented of your sins. Have you called upon the name of the Lord to save you? Because you know what? He will. He'll come in with power. And he'll change your life. He'll uh, save the, the chief of sinners. Like Paul and like me. Let's give him the praise and the glory. Let's pray. Father, this morning... How great are you, Lord, and greatly to be praised. Lord, I just uh, thank you for the opportunity of proclaiming your holy, inspired uh, word this morning. And Lord, take these feeble efforts uh, uh, that some would call a sermon and use it to speak to our hearts by the power of your Holy Spirit through your word. Lord, we know that your word does not return void, but it accomplishes the purpose for which it is sent. So do that in our lives this morning, O God. Change our hearts, O God. May we be like our wonderful Lord and Savior, Jesus, in his name. Amen. Amen.